because we got the alternative energy for a nuclear-free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. The very first nuclear explosion to take place was 74 years ago, on the 16th of July 1945, named Project Trinity. The detonation of this first nuclear weapon changed the course of history and cleared the path for the nuclear incineration of Hiroshima and Nagasaki just three weeks later. I'm Jem Rommeld, and this episode of The Radioactive Show is produced by myself and Andrea Steves, a visual and sound artist currently based in New York. The location of the Trinity explosion is at the very southern edge of the United States, in the state of New Mexico. This is wide-open, white-sand desert country. The test site is part of the White Sands Missile Range, a United States Army military testing area, 100 kilometres north of the White Sands Monument. Twice a year, this site is open to visitors. And the story it tells is of nation-making, scientific progress and glorious destructive power. The centering of this narrative works to exclude other information and stories, including those of the people of that place, who continue to suffer the impacts of the bomb and its radioactive legacy. Like so many places scarred by radioactive racism worldwide, the government deems this place remote and uninhabited. But it isn't nowhere. It isn't nothing. It is home for many. The downwinders are the people who live downwind of the nuclear test site, in the path of Trinity's fallout. When the Trinity site opens to the public twice a year, the downwinders are there outside the gates handing out materials to make their story known. Andrea Steves has brought us the recordings you'll hear on this show. Andrea is working on a larger project with the downwinders to document and share the impacts of nuclear testing on the New Mexico community, supported by the New York State Council of the Arts in partnership with Wave Farm. Here's some context from Tina Cordova of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium. On July 16, 1945, the first nuclear device was detonated in the desert of New Mexico at the Trinity site. The government has always characterized this area as remote and uninhabited, but we know from the census data that there were thousands of people living in a 50-mile radius to the test site. We've identified ranching families that lived as close as 12 miles. Those people are, there are some of those people alive today who can tell the stories of how one by one their loved ones have lost their lives to cancer. The atomic bomb at Trinity had some unique qualities that produced significant fallout. It was the first nuclear device to ever be tested, and because the scientists working on the project had to make certain the test was a success, the bomb was packed with 13 pounds of plutonium. Only three pounds of that plutonium fissioned. The remaining 10 pounds of unfissioned plutonium was joined with the soil, the sand, the animal and plant life in the area incinerated, And that cloud rose over seven miles past the atmosphere, penetrating the stratosphere. The plutonium used has a half-life of 24,000 years. A green glass-like substance called trinitite was produced at the site when the sand in the soil melted from the heat of the blast and was joined with the plutonium. The only place you'll find trinitite is in the desert of New Mexico. It was the only bomb ever detonated on a platform 100 feet off the ground. In in comparison, the bombs at Hiroshima and Nagasaki were detonated at a height of 1,600 to 1,800 feet. The blast literally had nowhere to go, 
and it impacted the earth, and it's the reason there's a radioactive dispersal throughout the Tularosa Basin. This radioactive fallout settled on everything, on the soil, in the water, in the air, on the plants, and on the skin of every living thing, both human and animal. It was a public health and an environmental disaster of grand proportions. To fully understand how the fallout negatively impacted human health, we also have to understand what life was like in rural New Mexico in 1945. People lived very organic lifestyles. We had no running water. We relied on cisterns, holding ponds, or ditches to collect water from for drinking, cooking, bathing, cleaning, and doing our laundry. We depended on the earth, the soil, the water to produce all the food that we ate. We had gardens and orchards. We raised cows, pigs, chickens, sheep, goat, and the like for food. And the men hunted wild game when it was necessary to supplement our food supply. One man from Tularosa told me, we didn't have much, but we had all we needed, and it was all destroyed after the bomb. The physician who served as the Manhattan Project medical director, Dr. Lewis Hempelman, stated afterwards, and I quote, A few people were probably overexposed, but they couldn't prove it, and we couldn't prove it, so we just assumed we got away with it. That was part of Tina Cordova's testimony to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, calling for the New Mexico downwinders to be compensated under the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. The neighbouring Nevada downwinders have been awarded some financial reparations under this act, and the New Mexico downwinders are demanding the same for their unknowing and unwilling participation as bystanders to the Trinity Test. We'll hear more from Tina soon, but now tune your ears to the white sand desert of New Mexico, where the downwinders are literally taking their story to the Trinity site open day handing out flyers to tourists as they drive by into the site. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's been a steady stream. Every year it seems to be really busy. It, there's just a steady stream of cars going in and coming out. A lot of people have stopped to pick up the literature that we're handing out. And uh, there's been a few negative remarks, but nothing compared to, like, past years. People are becoming aware, see a lot of thumbs up, a lot of people just uh, encouraging. You know, it was busier today than it was in October. Uh, I have seen it when the traffic has been backed up going in all the way out here on the road, and they had to call state police to come in. So I've seen it really busy like that. Um, this is pretty steady. I mean, it's not it's not a slow day. I mean, uh, we've seen it busier, but it's it's pretty good turnout today. They've been stopping. They've been picking up information from us. They stop and talk to us. They say, "What did they?" Some of them don't even know what's going on. They want to stop and say, "What is happening?" You know. And then after hearing that, they continue on. They do not want to go down there. Oh my gosh, we've seen plates from New York, Missouri, Utah, California, Texas, Idaho. They come from all over the United States. As we keep looking at all the license plates, they're from everywhere. Idaho, Minnesota, Alaska, Alaska, New York. Oh my gosh. Illinois. Illinois. Nevada just passed by. There's just lots of different people. It's interesting to see... Old, I don't know why they would want yeah, to come here. Old, but, young. Yeah. A Boy Scout troop. Yeah. <laughs> we saw Boy Scouts this morning. 
but big, just all different big, people. Big buses. And some really nice and wave, and then others that, you know, are not nice and flip us off, and we just smile. You're hearing the voices of Bernice, Laura, Rosalie, and other downwinders. My name is Tina Cordova. I am a downwinder. I'm from a downwind community called Tularosa, and I'm the co-founder of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium. I uh, am a cancer survivor and have lost many dear family members to uh, the disease that was caused by their exposure to radiation as a result of the test out here at Trinity. Our first uh, trip out here was at least six or seven years ago, and it kind of was, it developed out of um, us learning, our, our core group of organizers, uh, learning that Los Alamos uh, Historical Society was bringing a tour bus and I said, you know, how convenient that they make money off of this and they bring this tour out here. And if they're going to do that, I think we should greet them at that site with our signs so that they understand there's more to this than the science and industry. And uh, so that's how we developed the idea. And that first year, there were about 15 or 20 of us here, but there were also people in Los Alamos to greet them as they got on the bus. It was pretty interesting because they were very unhappy um, with the whole idea of seeing us, of having to interact with us, of having to acknowledge that we exist, basically. This is Tina Cordova. Andrea asked her whether the tourists know about the downwinders and what they have suffered. The, I doubt that most people know, but I, what I will say is that as time has gone on, as we've done this work, as there's been more written about us, and as we've been more out in basically the whole news sphere uh, people give us more thumbs up they honk more they stop to take our information um, we don't get greeted with the fingers that people used to throw to us you know I was saying earlier last year because my sign says I got cancer living downwind of Trinity and last year when I was here a guy rolled down his window and he said are you just stupid why didn't you move away and uh, I didn't get a chance to tell him what I wanted to say, <laughs> which is, are you just stupid? The only safe day for us to have moved away was July 15th. But anyway, I, you know, we get greeted now with a, with a lot more um, acceptance and support than we did the first year. So, I mean, I, I seriously used to worry a great deal about whether we were placing ourselves in danger because of the hostility that we saw at times from people. I think people thought we were maybe anti-nuclear or we were protesting maybe what took place in Japan. And, you know, while I have my own views on all of that, that's not what we're here doing. We're here simply bringing attention to what the downwinders of New Mexico have been through. We're a thousand miles from nowhere Where nobody wants to be the visitor center at the trinity monument site is dwarfed by big blue skies wide open land a range in the distance tough spiky desert plants and wind the downwinders are holding placards for the passing vehicles My sign says our government gave us no warning 
Now we are and have been dying of cancer and autoimmune diseases. And it continues. Continues. And then this one is the one my little sister made. It says, uh, the bomb hurt New Mexicans. We are the victims of the first atomic bomb. And mine is Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. Why not us? Trinity site downwinder, 74 years. We're sick and dying. So, and that's it. That sums it up. We're either sick or we're dying. Have you seen a lot of people? Had a lot of people here today? Yes, we've had a pretty decent crowd. It's kind of nice to see the numbers increasing. More people are becoming aware of our our situation here. Um, I understand Arizona and Nevada have been compensated for exposure to uh, bomb testing in their areas, and New Mexico, where the big one was set off here, no compensation. What's up with that? There's a lot of people in the community that just need a lot of financial help. They don't have insurance. Communities get together and they do enchilada dinners, taco sales, whatever it takes to help them get to their doctor's appointment and to get treatment. And I think it's just a crime that we have been ignored all this time. Uh, People need to be aware. Have you ever been into the Trinity site? Uh, No, I wouldn't expose myself to that. I've seen it, read about it, seen it in books, pictures, but uh, no, I wouldn't expose myself to that. I'm not, not proud that that was done here. Yes, I understand that it needed to be tested, but why why not give us some warning? You know, give people a chance to get away and not be exposed. Pain killers, pain, pain killers, pain, pain killers are trying to kill me. This is The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR and the Community Radio Network, broadcast all across these stolen lands we call Australia. We're hearing from people impacted by the nuclear testing program in New Mexico, United States, at the site of the first nuclear explosion, named Project Trinity. The site is open to visitors twice a year. So, why do they go? I I think there's a great deal of curiosity around, um, you know around the Trinity site, what's really interesting to me is that there's not, I've never been out there, I don't have the desire to go out there, but people have told me there's not a lot there. And um, you would think that it would be uh, sort of memorialized differently. I don't, I don't know what else to say. You would think that this massive event that took place, I was saying earlier to somebody that massive event did create something. It created Trinitite that only exists here. And so to me, it's like this permanent memorialization of this incredible event that took place that produced more heat than the sun and fused the sand with the Trinitite, creating this green glass that only exists here in the de- desert of New Mexico. And to me, that's almost like prophetic or something. I don't know. I don't know how... I, know, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, right? But for me, it's like... How apropos that this is what happened, yeah. right? And if it was so intense that it produced almost a mineral of all of its own, then what do, you, what do we think happened to people living 12 miles away, 20 miles away, 30 miles away, 40 miles away? Well, it's historical. It's a historic site. The site of the first uh, testing of the atomic bomb. You know, if I didn't know, I would have been interested in seeing it. 
if I didn't know the repercussions of it. But, um, and the people that are coming here today don't know. They just know it's a, a sight to be seen because it's historical. Look at the line right now. I it's know. Like crazy. Yeah. Line in and line out. Curiosity, I guess. Uh, maybe they're history buffs. Uh, maybe that reason. Um, I don't know. I don't think most of these people understand who we are and what we're doing. But um, we try to educate as many as possible. I live in uh, La Luz, New Mexico, probably about uh, about 85 miles away from here. Um, the reason I'm here is because my parents both died of cancer. They were living in Carrizozo at the time of the drop of the atom bomb, the testing. And uh, my four older siblings lived here at the time also. My mother died at the age of 70 of cancer. She had, her body was riddled with cancer. My dad died eight years later of uh, blood dyscrasias, uh, leukemia, basically, as a result of the exposure. And my four older siblings that were raised here, that were here when the bomb was dropped, all have autoimmune disease. Um, that isn't a testament to radiation exposure, what is. And the thing that bothers me the most is our government gave us no warning. There was no warning that went out to the ranchers, to anybody in the local communities, anywhere, that they were going to do this test. Apparently, we were indispensable. They, they, they thought that uh, we didn't count. So it's, you know, it's pretty disheartening. <laughs> pretty disheartening. That was another of the downwinders, standing outside the site, who wishes to remain anonymous. The mood here is lively. Despite their devastating personal stories, the downwinders attempt to spread the word by being approachable, humorous, festive and fun. Although some passers-by are suspicious and feel affronted by their signs and their presence, the downwinders bring people in with their energy. They just want people to know the other side of the story, the human side, the story that's so inconvenient for the official state-sponsored narrative. This is Paul. Every time that we come out, different, there's different tourists or there's different people because people usually don't, don't come out here twice. But So you have to come out every time if you can because you hit a new audience every single time. It's really amazing. And there's thousands and thousands of cars that, that pass through here. And some of them are jerks. Like I had a, I was holding up a sign last year and it said, pray for families. And beneath that, leaning against my legs, I had a picture of the Virgen de Guadalupe. You know, it's like, like uh, saintly stuff. And I was holding that up and this guy, this guy drives by and, and flips me off and says, F you, <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, some people, like, you're not going to change their minds or nothing, no new information is going to be able to enter into their into their way of thinking. But other people are really open to it. I mean, if you're, if you're like, friendly and they're not scared of you. And so music, guitars, burritos, cowboy coffee, free answers booth, yeah. And before I forget, don't go toward that light. So don't go, don't go. 
Been out here since 8.30. We brought a new ranch truck that we, or a used ranch truck new to us, and we parked it east-west so that it would block the wind coming from the north this morning. Set up a, a burrito kitchen on the spot. My friend Mike Campos, who used to work for Little Anita's big old business in Albuquerque, and uh, Little Anita's donated red chili, green chili, and a bunch of dozens of tortillas for us. And so we really want to thank them for that. And so he set it, set it up there. He has two different stoves going, and he was making them to order. And so some people would pay us more than the burritos we're selling for. You know, they give us $5 instead of $2. Other people, we gave them to them, the volunteers for free and all that stuff. But it's working out really well. We met so many people. There was a guy, Jose Pacheco, that was passing by. He turned out to be an artist and a fantastic singer who was a little bit short on food, but he had a lot of songs. <laughs> and, and he did a fire dance for us and blessing in Spanish. It was beautiful. He's from up in Tecolote, New Mexico. So you run into people from all over that's, that stopped by. I think because you have to, like, laugh sometimes and be festive and make it as beautiful as possible and make it attractive you know, because if you just, you don't want to scare people away. Because the people that come out here, they want to learn about this stuff. They come from a long ways, man, to check out Trinity site. And so a lot of people with, with a lot of questions and a lot of curious tourists have stopped by to get those free answers. I met a couple of people that had heard of us, but that's all that's all they knew is they, they just heard about New Mexico downwinders, but they had, like, no details. And once you start telling them details and who to talk to, like Tina Cordova, for more details and with these handouts that we have and handouts that were wrapped around our burritos that were full of information. So we put, uh, so, so, so we like sly-handedly put information right in the palm of their hand. <laughs> there was a person here from Norway that was getting an interpretation to learn about it. There was a lady, lady here from England that was accompanying him, and uh, and and with the help of of that handout, you know, that was, that wrapped the burritos, we were able to explain the situation to him because they were saying stuff like, "Well, didn't that happen a long time ago? Like, you're not dead, you know? How come all all of you aren't dead if it was like poisonous?" And we started telling, him, "Well, the thing is, like, equality, and the government has already acknowledged in other states that people were contaminated, and if they lived around a test site, they were compensated." For their uh, medical bills and stuff like that and says that's all we want is, is uh, equality and justice for all from to La Rosa New Mexico we're doomed our loved ones go Let's return now to Tina Cordova's testimony to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, calling for recognition and compensation for the New Mexico downwinders, for the illnesses and suffering that began the day the first nuclear weapon was exploded. My father's overexposure to high levels of radiation from the Trinity test as a child damaged his cells, which led to cancer and altered his DNA. Those genetics were passed to me, and I too am a cancer survivor. Through our exposure, we continue to pass on the damaged DNA to our children and our children's children from one generation, never to be the same. 
As a result, we experience a cycle of poverty associated with the cost of taking care of our health when we get sick from radiation overexposure. Living in rural New Mexico, we can never get treatment at home because there there are no medical facilities in the small towns and villages where we live. Since 1990, the RECA program has resulted in the establishment of medical treatment facilities in other downwind communities, and the proposed amendments would generate similar results for New Mexicans. People tell me stories of how they hold bake sales to buy pain medications, how they have to sell cattle to pay for chemotherapy, how a wife has to go door-to-door in her Pueblo community to try and raise money for the fuel to get her husband to and from his treatments in Albuquerque. When a family must spend all they have to obtain the medical care they need to survive cancer, they have nothing to pass on except the genetic legacy. Members of the TBDC are here today asking for fairness, asking that after 73 years we be treated the same as other downwinders. After all, RICA recognizes the responsibility of the federal government to apologize and provide monetary compensation to individuals who contracted certain cancers and other serious diseases following their exposure to radiation during atmospheric nuclear weapons test. Other downwinders in the United States have received more than $2.25 billion in claims. And while that would be incredibly significant for us, what we covet, what we covet most is fairness. Not one dime more, not one dime less than other downwinders receive. New New Mexico downwinders are hoping and praying that after 73 years, you hear us, that you open your ears, your hearts, and your minds. I ask that that you put yourself in our shoes and that you consider what it's like to walk with us just one day. Imagine what it's like to attend a funeral, a chemo infusion, or receive the horrible news that the cancer you've been fighting is back. Can you imagine what it's like to tell your children you're dying and all you can wonder is, did I pass on my damaged genes to my children and my grandchildren? There is an urgent moral and ethical imperative to right this wrong, and there is a path to healing for us. It starts with the recognition of our service and our sacrifice to this great nation and is complete when we're afforded the exact same care, the exact same care and coverage that other downwinders receive. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Tina Cordova speaking on behalf of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium, calling for recognition and compensation for the New Mexico communities impacted by nuclear testing. You can find out more about their struggle and how to support it at the website trinitydownwinders.com. We must remember that nuclear test veterans and Aboriginal communities in Western and South Australia are also struggling for justice and likewise still suffer intergenerational health problems stemming from their exposure to the British nuclear testing program. That, however, is a story for another episode. This is The Radioactive Show, produced on Darable land for 3CR Radio and heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. The music on this show is from the Downwinders at the Trinity Roadside, as well as the brilliant local outfit Paul Pino and the Tone Daddies. This episode was produced by Andrea Steves and myself, Jem Rommeld, and we extend our solidarity to victims and survivors of the nuclear industrial complex everywhere. Thanks for listening. Over and out. And one door closes. I'm walking down a dusty road.
lonesome skinny debris Swimming right here where I stand If they were here today, them skinny debris Would just be streakers in the sand I'm walking down a dusty river Wondering where the water's gone Has it gone to Arizona Would someone leave their water on Some might prefer a whiskey river But a regular river would suit me fine So won't you please dial 